0: Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show sponsored by Cheshire Impact on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com, bam. Boom, there it is. All right, we're on, we're cooking. We're ready to rock this thing. My guest today is amazing. And she is a performance-focused digital marketing professional, right? It's not just about just doing marketing here, there. It's like, let's make results happen. She's a thought leader, digital marketing strategist, and you know the experience in sales and marketing alignment, advertising, promotion, data analysis, all the verticals. But what I really um, like about her, and, and I want to get more into this in, in the conversation, is that she can operate at that 30,000-foot level and also swoop in like a helicopter and, and operate at that ground level, right? And it's like the tactical and the strategic. So that's what we're getting into, into today. Director of Marketing Communications at Thrasio, Sandra Rand. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. It's like to do this.
0: Yes. Uh, like there's so much to talk about. Um, there's so much to say. And let me just grab this thing here. Okay. Uh, here we go. Here you go. Thor's hammer. Take that. And smash for me. Okay. You got it. Okay. Good. There you go.
1: Bringing it down.
0: All right. Smash for me. Some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception, set the record straight once and for all.
1: So my big thing right now is that the demand gen playbook is tired.
0: Ooh, it's, it's tired. It's like, it's,
1: we've been there, done that. You know, we need a new look. I right. think uh, the pandemic was the absolute forcing function that performance marketers needed, B2B marketers really needed um, to just rethink the playbook. I think, yeah. you know, we've been cycling through ebooks and white paper downloads and webinars. and you know now with everyone staying at home, our in-person meetings are, um, are forced to be digital. And so we are webinared out. We are in no. digital event overload. Um, and I think there's a ton of opportunity for people to get creative and sort of rethink these things. I mean, how many, I've been hearing so much, how many people download an ebook and never read it or, or sign up to download an ebook and then it sits in your email or how many people, you know, sign up for a webinar, never attend, say, that's okay. I'm going to get the slide, the slides and the recording later. And then they never access that information either. It is tired. It, we need to create something more innovative, more uh, creative, more engaging, and just be really respectful of people's time and their balance right now. We are all trying to do a million things, stay healthy, right? <laughs> stay at home, probably, uh, you know, try to have some semblance of a life. Um, we're all juggling way more and, and sort of the ebook webinar cycle is tired. We're done with it. We got to do something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I see that, right. it just, it's like, continuing i feel like we almost we're doing more i feel like i've even been doing more webinars lately um and i kind of like them and i enjoy them but you're right like the the standard play we can't so i mean do you have any magic answers for us how do we get more creative with this is yeah what do we do
1: i mean so i think you know it really one we got to get out of our comfort zone we see numbers and we correlate leads with success Um, And I think it's time to really sort of reconcile what's happening at the bottom of the funnel. Are these people really converting at a place that you want them to? They're bringing Mm -hmm. in leads, but are these leads high quality? And what are they doing at those really pivotal points of the funnel? Um, And so it's like, you know, if webinars are doing well, which don't get me wrong, there's plenty of people that are saying that they're still working for them, but it's time to recreate the content around that. No one wants to be spoken at with a slide deck anymore. You know, people are, are, You'd be lying if you said that you pay attention and focus on a webinar without clicking around on another browser, opening other tabs, doing some work while you listen, and you sort of yeah. half listen. And you know it needs to be open and engaging. I think people are craving more connection with thought leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, opening things up to a Q and A, allowing audience members to be on camera. You know, you get that webinar vision on Zoom or on GoToMeeting where everyone's sort of cloaked, and the only people you see are the speakers. And I think mm-hmm. to connect with people, you really need to open things up and create more of a community around your content. Um, I think you know around eBooks and white papers. Like, open that stuff up, make it available for consumption. Create it around microsites where you can actually click and you know track the behavior. People download a PDF or don't download a PDF. They let it sit in their email, and you have no idea how or in what way they they read all the hard work that you've put into creating that piece. So, open it up, put it on a, a URL, a microsite, track the the consumption of the content, and then. You know, create more content that branches off from that that gets them even further down the funnel. I just think that there's opportunities to get more creative, stop gating everything, stop hiding behind your forms and uh and really create some serious value that isn't a trade off for a lead number
0: right uh it's so true and and as you're describing, just like come on, just like get this content out there, let people consume it and they don't want the slide deck thrown at them for an hour and as you're mentioning that. I was literally on a sales call yesterday. Really cool guy, really cool dude. But like, I, and they, they, they said, if you join this call, we will give you $45. So I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> on Amazon, like, okay. Sure. <laughs> and and uh, it's almost like, if you're going to do that, like, make sure they're talking to the right people. And and I was trying to like, dude, I, I don't want to waste your time, but if I right. need to hear here for the $45, like I'm, I'm getting work done. You know, it's like, it doesn't, you, right. it's not work. And, and I wasn't even on a webinar, but webinar, even less one-on-one really, he's really not asking me any questions on a webinar. I can kind of hide out in the background, man, no one's paying attention. And then the content, just like, get it out there. Like the whole gating, it just, yeah. it's like content needs to be consumed, right? Most people <laughs> don't consume any any content and the fact that like I've never heard someone say it this way, but it's like the truth, which is okay. Even personally, like we, Oh, that's an interesting webinar topic register. Uh, can I make it? Maybe not. doesn't matter. Oh, I can't make it. I'll get the recording. I don't even know. I I might've deleted the record. I I don't even know. I I forgot about it. And I never, I never got that content, you know,
1: especially if the team isn't agile enough to deliver the content, you know, the recording that day or the next day, if you send it to me a week and a half later, sorry. I'm, I'm completely disengaged at that point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I
1: think it's, it's interesting. I think that there's, um you know, a lot that people can do and, and frankly, like we're doing ourselves a disservice as the audience too. I'm not learning from a webinar. I'm only like one quarter paying attention to. Yeah. So I think like, you're, I'm most engaged when I'm talking to someone like this and learning from thought leaders, like on a one-to-one or one to free right. basis. And and I know that that stuff doesn't scale, and that's what scares B2B marketers. We need things that get more eyeballs and get more visibility. And you know, I think you have to do the things that that don't scale as well um, right. to really get the most out of them. And really, you know, I think the you know your sales team will have a higher quality pool of people to pull from. Uh, you know, when they start self-selecting, they they're ready to work with you. So.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a tough thing to to talk about. Like, is he going to scale or not? You know um, I was talking to, uh, I don't know if you know Daniel Murray. He's he's pretty, pretty big on LinkedIn. I was talking to him and he was just doing the math with me. He was like, you know what? You get a thousand leads and you know, you only convert 1% of them. That's like you had to wade through 990, 990 leads to get to like the 10 that were opportunity it's like gross so to do things like you're saying just for a just for a lead number it it doesn't pay off it's not gonna it's not worth it
1: right and your poor sdrs are cranking away at you know trying to connect with those people that have no interest because i downloaded one ebook i'm it seems like i'm qualified and ready to buy your business i'm not or buy your you know your tool your software like one ebook downloaded does not a qualified lead
0: make so so how how do we think maybe we'll start with the webinars then we'll go to the content How do we fix webinars? Maybe just like throw out some ideas that we can kind of riff off of like, you've already started that too, but like, okay, (laughs) you said like, don't do the slide deck, just speaking at me, show some faces. What other kind of things do you think we could?
1: Yeah, I think it's, you know, creating an open Q&A forum. Like people, when they attend webinars, or when they are looking for a piece of content to answer a need or a challenge yeah. that they have, it's because they have one or two very specific questions largely. Sure. There's tons of tons of people that want to attend a webinar to learn more about a given topic, but by and large, they might have that one nagging thing that they're trying to figure out. And maybe they're yeah. attending a webinar to hear that one proof point or their, that one clarification to help them along their way. And so I think that we need to not be afraid of opening up like, Q&As and allowing other people to, to chime in. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather hear someone uh, say, hi, my name is Joe and I'm from Michigan and here's the challenge that I'm having rather than have a moderator sort of interpret the question and, and address that. And, mm. you know, I think the other thing that, that we can do as content creators and thought leaders is, is create a community where people can have sort of a, you know, a chat on the side. Maybe other attendees can answer questions instead of bogging you down with a question that only helps one person instead of 10 people or, yeah. you know, something along those lines. I just think opening up the lines and creating sort of a multi-channel experience where we may have a webinar, but we also have this chat box on the side where you guys can interact with each other. Um, I think that is an opportunity that would sort of change the game a little bit instead yeah. of making it very sort of one-sided.
0: You know, I found even on Zoom and decent webinar app, but same thing, like by default, people trying to chat goes to, just the panelists. Like, I don't want that. I want you chatting amongst yourselves. And I keep saying, like, if I'm boring, at least you can entertain yourselves. Like, do that, right. you know? But you have to manually switch it. So I'm constantly like, switch it. So it doesn't just send it to me. Send it to, every, send it to everyone. Chat amongst yourselves. So when people are saying, like, hey, I'm in Australia. Or, hey, I'm in, you know, Oregon. You're like, that's cool. Like, everyone else should see that. Not just me. That doesn't help right. everyone else. Like, that makes it more intriguing for everyone, you know? Yeah. But it's like, it's, if- it's not the default, though. The old right. playbook is the default.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's, it's the, I want to control the scenario. I want to control the the funnel. I want to control the form and the content. And, you know, I think just relinquishing those little bits of bits of control where you allow, you know, the people that are listening to your webinar to communicate, I think, you know, very full disclosure. I don't know if people still do this, but you know, earlier in, you know, my career, we used to listen to webinars and maybe go on Twitter with the hashtag. I don't necessarily see webinars with like a "Hey, join the hashtag and talk amongst yourselves" or a conference. You would go to a conference and talk amongst yourselves on Twitter with the hashtag. And yeah. I don't know if that's people aren't doing that anymore. And I think that it's time to revisit the value of that. Maybe Twitter is not the right, you know, not the right channel for that anymore. But, um, but yeah, I think that you know, there's there's a lost opportunity to uh, to open things back up because we're we're nervous about not having control.
0: It's a great point about control. It's a really great point. You know, we talk lead numbers, we talk results, but is it just us trying to be in control of things? And maybe we need to just try not like, let it go a little bit and let people do what they want to do and not try to like force them through some shopping, shopping mart where they have to go through this and this and this. It's like, Oh, look, let them roam around.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, we have, we have forecasts that we have to hit and, and, you know, I think we have lead numbers that we're, we're nervous about not hitting. And so that sort of forces us to, to keep everything in a nice, neat box where we can sort of manage that and move it, you know, further down the funnel. And um, I just think, especially now where we're all home or a lot of people are home and a lot of people are not sort of getting that interaction from like a a professional and and workplace standpoint, there's, creating more opportunity for community to be built around your brand and your content and your thought leadership will just benefit a brand um, far more than sort of keeping things one-sided.
0: Oh, totally. Totally. You know, I, I got this crazy idea that I've been thinking about. Um, I feel like, have you ever, have you ever been to like Twitch? Have you heard yes.
1: of that? Yeah. Have
0: I'm not ever... intimately
1: familiar, but I know of it.
0: Right. Have you ever watched anyone on there?
1: Um, so is it mostly video game people? Mostly. Okay, yes. Yeah, so my husband does more of that, but yes, I'll look over his Is he shoulder. on there?
0: Is he like a Twitch rock star? <laughs> no, I've playing, I've playing Call of Duty all day. I'm
1: trying to encourage him to do that. I'm like, another little uh, income source is not the worst right? thing in the world. You're like if you're going
0: to be playing games all day, at least make money off of it. Come on, right. man. Let's exactly. go. Get to work here. Yeah. Um, So I've um, not so much the Call of Duties, but there's some more strategic games while I've watched people like, Before I buy it, it's kind of like I'll go research it and watch someone really smart just like playing and be like, okay, this isn't the preview. This is him actually playing this. So I want to play this too. And I'm like, oh, it's actually intriguing. And there's something about watching someone really good at it play because then you're like, I'm like, I'm the opposite. I would be like really bad at it and I'm going to suffer. But it's kind of cool to watch him play first. Maybe thinking that like I could borrow some tips when I go to do mine. Um, But I found that. Twitch is very, very interesting because the people on there, um, even the the few couple that I've watched, super nerdy, but really good at managing a crowd, like a crowd of hundreds of people, thousands of people, way more than our silly webinars, Right? right? And And they're they're not polished.
1: They're not overthinking it. They're not creating these like sort of perfect methods of content. Yeah. Right.
0: Hey, hey, Sandra, three, six, four, two. Hey, good (laughs) to see you. How's your puppy doing? You know, and then somebody donates. Hey, thanks, Casey. Thanks for the, you know, the five bucks. Appreciate it. You know, while he's still playing something. And yeah. You're like, and then, then people are voting. There's a poll like, Oh, how's this going to go? Or which way should I go on this thing? Should I go left or right? Should I attack those people or not? Let's vote. And everyone's adventure. they are all commenting like, that'll be terrible. Could you imagine a webinar
1: starting out that way? Like, Hey, here's the thought leader that we have. Here are the four topics we can, like you guys vote and we'll hash on that topic for the first 30 minutes. Like I haven't seen any sort of like, you know, anything like that where we're sort of like, hey, choose your own adventure webinar style where we'll talk about the exact topic instead of something at a, at a broader scope.
0: Seriously. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be the way to go, right? It's almost like I've heard of like the unconference. Everything mm-hmm. is like up in the air. Of course, you may not even go to the unconference because you don't know what it's going to be about. But the yeah. idea of like, oh, let's vote with our feet of what you want to hear about. Um, but yeah. just giving people more control. But these Twitch people are so good. And then people are paying to watch them. It's wild. Maybe at Amazon Prime, you can use that one subscription and it pays them too. And yep. they're so good at that. It's it, You know what else you get? You get points. For every minute or hour you watch, you get like a point. Maybe it's every minute. So you accumulate their points. You can They call it whatever they want. Like, oh, my, my bullets or, you know, right. superstar power. You accumulate. Yeah. And you can bet that. You can gamble it on the situation. Um, and I'm like, th- you can even turn it in for like rewards. I'm like, why don't we do that on webinars? Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Right. Some sort of some, something that intrigues people and gets them more motivated right. to engage and, and not just watch. I think watching is, totally. you know, we all we're, we all have sort of fishbowl brains right now. And we're trying to manage a lot of things and, Seriously. and focus beats multitasking by and far, but, um, by and large rather, but, um, yeah, it's well, definitely an opportunity.
0: One of the things I'm like, tempted to do. I think I'm gonna do I'm totally gonna to do this now that I've said it, but like I'm gonna start a Twitch channel for like B2B marketing. Because All right. what would happen? I don't even know what would happen.
1: Watch me build this funnel. All right. <laughs> Watch me execute on Facebook ads. I don't even it's actually, you know, right? it's it's very interesting. I have to say the thing that I'm learning most from nowadays are these smaller communities where people are just sort of unveiling their playbook. Like here's the thing that I'm doing and this might not be perfect or the right way, but like, it's really hitting marks for me and it's generating engagement and people are, people are into it. Um, and it's people that are just sort of opening the cloak and they're not too precious about, you know, keeping things, you know, there's, there's an interesting dynamic of like having a competitive advantage, but then giving away all your secrets. And there's something in between there that's like really valuable. Um, uh, and so, yeah, that's, it's, it would be very interesting. I okay. would watch something like that. It would be would something you go? that's totally yeah. different. Totally. Yeah. Cause you got like, you could be developing something that right. I had never thought of, or I didn't necessarily have the lens to do previously. And it's like, Oh, how can I translate that into what my goals are? And it changes what you're doing. It changes the, the, you know, the workflow a little bit and the sort of typical cycle of demand gen. And I think, um, yeah, I could, I could definitely open up ideas for a ton of people. I'd be like right.
0: And like, we could be doing this, this webinar or the webinar, <laughs> so this, this, inter, this conversation. Yep. Meanwhile, it could be live on Twitch. That could be cool. People could be talking about it. Yeah. You know, like, I don't yeah. know it'd be interesting, like all the webinars that ever happen, you could register for it and get the email. So you have a reminder or you just join it anytime, whatever we're presenting is going to be on this Twitch channel. You know, like, yep. ah, this is what we're so I, I can't put it into a funnel. I can't track it anything but it's saying it seems like a fun way to just get rid of control and just say here's all the content
1: yeah i hope it helps what we're doing we're building it it'd be cool like doing you know takedowns like of or audits or things of that nature just like sort of opening it up and being like this is what i'm doing and this is what it's not working for me so i'm gonna test some stuff and see what else works yeah i like it that's a cool idea
0: audits and just go around look at some or or just i can pull up in my spam box and just like shred on it you know, yeah, my promotions great. tab, which is where the people think that they're sending good stuff and actually still spam and be like, okay, look at this email. Look yeah. at this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's some thick. of it's, some of it's crazy. It's so funny. I actually, I sort have taken a screenshot. I can go back and do it. But um, right. at some point today I went into my personal Gmail and there were like four emails, promotional emails, one after the other, all started with like the party emoji. So it was like, okay, emojis are a, are a subject line best practice now apparently and it's all the, party emoji, the one with like the little no four different four different sources guys it's like all right we're try, we're testing emojis now but you know diversify from the party emoji
0: <laughs> i mean do you have a favorite emoji uh like what's the most emoji you <laughs> use on your phone you know have you seen that thing on facebook they like pull open your most used I- emoji?
1: yeah i mean if we're oof, it's probably the like unamused face the guy with like the line <laughs> the line mouth and like the line eyes oh, oh man, yeah like, i mean what? we're in a pandemic life happens right and there are so many things that are just not amusing right now all right we're totally. doing this live i'm looking it up recently used is that the same thing i recently I'm on used yeah the so recently used is the guy with the smile with like the sweat droplet like oh this is great <laughs> like that
0: oh, guy. Yeah. oh. <laughs> explain that one to me because wh- when they're laughing it's like laughter tears of laughter or something but when you're just smiling and you're sweating off your, what is it? what is that I mean? think this is like the laughter
1: like i'm sweating a little but i'm smiling we'll make it oh, work yeah. a
0: little yeah. nerve
1: wracking i don't know that that's, that's probably awkward. i don't remember what context i use that in but totally. apparently that's the one i use often i
0: like laughter lightning bolts um the cheshire fist like the fist bump and then nice. my f- Absolute favorite is the wink tongue. So it's like the t- sticking the tongue out and winking. All and, the emotions.
1: And,
0: right. <laughs> I like it. Where I'm just like, I'm kidding with you, but I'm also making fun of you. Like, hey. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. I found uh, that there's like I don't know if you found this, but depending on. Like at work, I have certain emojis that I go to. My last mm. job, it was like the monkey with the with the two like right. oh god, like that one and this one or not this one, but like you know family and text messages. It's like the the unamused face, and then I think this current you know I'm at Thrasio now, and the um, smiley face with the with the stars for eyes. Like yes. oh my gosh, great.
0: I yes, my like
1: that's great. you start
0: start, you start your star
1: eyes. So impressed. Yeah,
0: totally. Now I don't know if I necessarily want to see that in all my subjects, but right. I think right. it's fun. To- like I've used a couple, but like man, if you if you abuse that, then people are gonna zone that out too. You got to pick the right one too. You know, yeah. just a party one. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. That one's overused. But the funny thing is, so I had a colleague a couple of years ago test emojis in his LinkedIn description. Like, you know, some people just leave their title in the description. Their company. And some people will put a whole thing of like who they are, but add emojis to the description and his views went up. So I tested it and my views went up and I was like, guys, this is not hard. Like, why are you looking at my profile more? Because I have emojis. I still do it. Why not? It's kind of fun. You you
0: have it in there now?
1: Yeah, I have a little unicorn for Thoraxio. We just achieved unicorn status in July and, uh, you know, the typical marketing bar chart up and to the right.
0: But oh, well, yeah,
1: test test emojis in your in your title on LinkedIn, and you might get some additional views. Uh,
0: no kidding. Okay, I see them in there. Yeah, you get the bar chart, and you get the unicorn. I gotta do that. But I I have it in my name. I don't know if you saw that.
1: Oh yeah, that's another thing to test.
0: it around. Cheshire Impact. We're like it's the fist logo. You know, like it's a bar it, chart yeah. fist, and so it's like Casey Cheshire fist. So every time you like, yeah. like fist,
1: fist, so fist. on brand. It's so I'm good. Like,
0: I'm like owning that. That's yeah. like my emoji. <laughs> That's
1: perfect. You don't see a fist bump emoji very much. I don't see a fist bump emoji very much.
0: No, you don't. We should see more of that.
1: You, you know? should trademark it.
0: <laughs> I should. I should trademark and then call Apple up and be like, oh, by the way, you're right. using my emoji. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but then they get rid of it off the phones and then I can't use it anymore. So probably, yeah. I don't know, maybe I'll just keep it quiet. Yeah. Um, okay. So we talked about some, some cool live event type changes and different things we can do. What about the content? It, the the tired old white paper. Like, do people even read white papers? What's the I deal?
1: Mean, yeah, I mean, it sort of depends on what you're looking for, right? If you right. need like solutions focused descriptions of things like a white right. paper, is sort of it. Ebook is a little less commitment and uh, a little easier to read, shorter snippets, that sort of thing. And a little bit more creative is sort of how I associate them with. They're by yeah. and large the same thing. But right. uh, yeah, you know, my thing with with the challenge is that you have to have, um, you have to have the capacity to understand how people are engaging with your content. And the PDF is the wrong vehicle. It's hmm. not trackable. It, it can be trackable if you have the right tools. And if you are develop, sort of developer minded, you, you can sort of place things in the right place. But, um, you know, and I just learned that a little, a little while ago in terms of being able to understand engagement of PDFs. But if you're, sort of an everyday B2B marketer, I think that the default is to use a PDF. And I think that right. there's just better better vehicles and better ways to distribute that content. Again, I sort of go back to the microsite or I'd rather take you know, a, a 10-page ebook whittle it down to be like the ultimate resource that is maybe housed on your blog or housed as a dedicated page. And it just becomes a resource that people are constantly linking back to. You can constantly build on it as things evolve over the, over time. Um, you're not committed to just publishing it. I think with an ebook and, or a PDF, you publish it once. And then if you want to update it, that's a whole new asset that you have to create it's and true. a whole new version that People that downloaded it the first time might not have access to, and so where you have these mega resources or you know, skyscraper resources on your blog or your website somewhere, those are just better opportunities to understand how people are engaging with your content and, and where they're dropping off, and what they're linking to, and what they're referencing. I just think, like, you know, we rely too much on this whole like gated ebook, gated PDF. Right, part of our playbook, and it's you know everyone knows what's going to happen. You're going to have an SDR in my inbox within 12 hours asking me how I like the the download and whether or not I want to set up time for a demo, and like that's you know that's just not the way to do it anymore. Yeah,
0: it's almost lame. It's like it's like cheesy eye roll. It's the eye roll emoji, right? It's expected. Yeah, it's like the oh my gosh, like palm to face, like oh so. You know what's
1: going to happen? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it, but like, and it ties back into your point about control too. No, nope, but also nobody links to someone else's landing page. Oh, hey, there's a great resource over right. here. I mean, I'm gonna go link to their lead gen. No, but if you yeah. had it out in the open, hey, this is a, you know, this is a mega resource. This is like a constantly upgrade updating resource.
1: Yeah.
0: At this link, now you get that you get the inbound traffic, you get a little SEO magic. Yeah. If Google doesn't care what's behind your form. They're not gonna go look at you you know fill out your form and right. go look at your pdf they're like no that's fine we'll just we'll all have a spider crawl on top you know yeah
1: yeah and, and think about sharing you know like my team we yeah. share different things on slack if i'm sharing a pdf from one person to another on slack you're not tracking any of that activity you have no, no idea so
0: that's true yeah. that's true you could be the most red pdf in your whole arsenal and you would have no idea
1: Right. And, and you know, those things are not easy to put together. They're heavy lifts and you put a lot of content resources into into developing that stuff. And for very little or, or, you know, very little return or return that you just don't have visibility into. So.
0: And in the tracking too, you don't, not only do you, I mean, you can host a PDF and like a part or something and you know, if somebody's looked at it, but, but it ends there, you know, and, and especially if they download it to your point on they're sharing it, you have no idea. Yeah. Um, which may be okay. Cause we're trying to get away from control, but at the same time, if you had it somewhere persistent, you can keep modifying it you keep it up to date. And, and you could also see on page, like, what do people look at? I mean, there's a lot of exactly. tech. That, have you, have you seen those lately where it's like, you can see people live scrolling? No. Yeah. Like there's, um, there's this app called qualified. It's like mm-hmm. web chat, um, for Salesforce and Pardot. And, um, We've had the, them on this before, but like when you're looking at it, it's not just web chat, but as you're chatting with people, you can see what they're looking at on your site live.
1: Interesting. That's right. awesome.
0: Right. Now you could be creepy with it, or you could just know that they're looking in the, but yeah, but like at yeah. least now you know what part of your resource are they looking at as opposed right. to they went off to, PDF land. I can't see it. Yeah.
1: Or, you know, and it gives you, that just sort of helps you mind map other topics. Like everyone's hovering around this. This is where we're getting the most clicks. This is whatever. Yeah. Let's create more resources around this and just sort of develop off of that and, and continue that cycle. And that just helps your content team be much more efficient and effective
0: in what they're doing and what they're developing. Right. Right. Now, have I made this question too, too much, like two-dimensional? I, there's like the live event webinar thing, and then there's like the content. Is there anything else Like, does this new playbook need, like, another category of content that we're not even discussing?
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, so listen, I think in general, B2B marketers need to get out of their own way. And I think we're sort of, you know we're, we're sacrificing creativity for our sort of lead forecasts. Um, and, you know, that's a big generalized statement. Certainly there are B2B marketers that are doing really fun, awesome things and they're being creative. But I think, you know, um, there's opportunities to, again, I think revisiting those things that don't scale and making things more personalized and more, um, uh, more engaging is just a huge opportunity. I think, you know, it, I, I forget, in what way that I did this, but we do you remember back in the day. probably back in the day. Yeah. It's probably like 2009. Um, right. HubSpot Which, which apparently did, is a long
0: time ago, but like- I'm dating uh,
1: myself, right? Like- <laughs> It said
0: 2001. I'd still think like recent, but apparently it's not even recent anymore.
1: Right, right. So like 2009, yeah. HubSpot used to do HubSpot Live. Do you remember that? Where they would have people in, in their offices. I think it was like Thursday afternoons or Friday afternoons. Yes,
0: I've and been they would to have, that.
1: That would kill right now. It was like Mike
0: people, Volpe and- somebody who made fun of them the whole time.
1: I forget her name, but they were great. Yeah. They were super like, they banter off of each other. Yeah. And um, that content would kill right now. I think like, you know, having something perpetual live scheduled every week, you know, not every company can sort of pull that off, but if you dedicate the right resources to it, they covered news, they covered trends, they had guests, you know, people, and it was live. You could hear people in the office sort of booing and cheering and like sort of weighing in on the things that they were talking yeah. about. And it was imperfect. And I think that that right. is something that people want to see more of sort of these polished assets that sort of one and done approach is, um, you know, something to be evolved. I bet. I think, you know, we sort of, again, need to get out of our own way from being perfect and, um, and sort of polished and just start putting stuff out there. I think like the the raw content, especially hello, like my kids are in, in school today. They have a hybrid model, but if they weren't in school, like they'd be, you'd see them back there. Like hanging out with each They'll other be
0: running and, around
1: yeah yeah you know like it's just we're all in this and we're all doing the best we can but i think in in, in the spirit of just shipping stuff and mm-hmm. seeing what works like you it can't be perfect it can't be you know it can't be something that's that's done did the you, same way did you
0: ever time. go to that that live event
1: i did once yeah yeah our, our offices weren't we were in like wuburn or something it wasn't okay like down the streets, but, uh,
0: but if you're in the neighborhood for a social media event or something, it's just like,
1: remember tweet ups, like, you know, obviously we can't do that now presently, uh, in a safe way, but, um, but just stuff like that, you know, let's get back to that more personalized, engaging, like. Human connection around thought leadership, I think, is just a huge opportunity, and it's you know, it'll force more people to be innovative because what will happen is that again, we're talking about this sort of nurture stream of uh, white paper, BDR call, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like people, it's not you know, it's not a long-term strategy, and I think mm-hmm. once we start to see numbers that aren't supporting that, we're going to be forced to sort of rethink the playbook.
0: we we'll have yeah, we'll have to get out of it. Just the numbers don't support it. There will still be people that are hanging on to it with. gripped gripped hands but it's like those same people are hanging on to like radio ads and (laughs) and some of these other things it's like ah billboards and oh my goodness I mean
1: yeah I mean maybe it's 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 definitely like um it's just something that you know you can't sort of rest on those on those tried and true things now because one budgets have also gone down with the pandemic headcount has gone down you're forced to do more with less and so I think we either have to be creative because the old ways aren't working anymore or because we don't have the resources we used to um so either way I think the pandemic is going to result in a lot more innovative b2b marketing
0: yeah it's kind of like you you need to or you're going to continue to lose eyeballs
1: yeah, and I just think like the the more you can do things that other people aren't doing, the more likely you are to find a sticking point and a, and something that hooks into people. Yeah. Um, you know, I definitely think like more things like this, where we're just having a conversation right. and, and opening things up to people. I think it's um, you know, that's it's a a lot of people are are trying to create more content, um, but it has to be in a way that's not like everybody else in the same. So
0: totally, and and even with this you mentioned earlier, it's the idea of like, not everything that has to scale. I've been in that mindset too, where I'm just like, how do I scale this? Well, maybe just pause on that for a second to see if it works anyways. And don't worry about the scaling maybe, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think we, you know, I'd rather participate in something with 10 high quality leads or high quality, you know. Uh, high quality sort of perfect looking leads yeah. for for our sales team than something with a hundred people and it's and none of them are interested in what we 're doing
0: well that gets into like a b m and just the idea of targeting people yeah. and going yeah. after the right few instead of just blasting everyone you
1: know? yeah yep and that's definitely you know that's definitely something that People have to wrap their heads around like we're going after these thirty really promising uh, opportunities and and spending really high quality time and resources against them versus just the whole spray and pray approach. Yeah,
0: yeah, hundred percent. And even that, the you you were saying how even that HubSpot Live wasn't perfect, and I think doesn't um, you, you know brand it, but doesn't have to always be perfect, especially the live stuff or the recording yeah. these conversations. I love it yeah. because. The opposite is the sort of the CNN approach of the perfected 10 minutes. Yeah. Like the amount of work we would do and, and I don't know if it would have the same, it might, but like some people do that, but like, okay, Sandra, you can only talk for like eight minutes and everything you want to get across, you have to get across. You can do it perfectly. Yeah. Um, Here's your script. That. Yeah. Here's your script. <laughs> yeah. And then you start to sound like one of those slide decks. Hello yeah. everyone. Thank you for coming. Here's my point. Here's my second point. Here's my second point. And then there's but there's a lot of ideas that come from just hashing something out with someone else.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's like a live brainstorm. I think, yeah. you know, that just it just you come away with a lot more value and and other ideas rather than something that's canned and rehearsed and um yeah, it just sort of opens you up for for opportunity to sort of think differently about things.
0: Yeah. What about brand? How- are people messing up is the, is the, how does the brand apply to the the old playbook versus the new? I mean, people going brand crazy and should they be? And.
1: Yeah. I mean, so from my perspective, you know, companies should be approaching brand with as much zeal as direct response. Right. So I think, don't get me wrong. I've, um, I've been in positions where I've brought direct response mentality and, and metrics to things like public relations or mm-hmm. um, you know, certain like events or, or other things that people just sort of go at with a with an awareness or branding mindset. It's always nice to see some metrics flowing, but I you know I don't think that um, I don't think that there's harm in in doing more brand awareness. So for Thoracio, we're still a very new company. Um, you know, we're only about two years old, but I think that, you know, and we're growing our awareness in the market, but I think that there's value in doing things like display ads, which are not inherently direct response driven, um, right. or, or, you know, doing podcasts, you know, we're and, and that sort of thing. It's a very specific awareness play. Right. Um, we're not expecting like one given podcast to be, uh, an open flow of lead gen for us. So, right. um, yeah. so I think, you know, people just sort of, again, I love to evaluate all opportunities from like, Oh, what's the upside? but by and large, we're not going to say no to something that, um, that is on the smaller scale because you never know if that exact right, you know, prospect is listening or, or watching or clicking around on a website. So, um, I definitely think, you know, awareness, you know, brand drives demand. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it, it accelerates demand. So I think that, you know, just focusing on direct response activity is the wrong way to go you're missing the huge sort of pool of people up at the top that that start to you know they start to see your your logo they start to see you're like oh I've heard of that company where have I heard of them oh yeah I no know, I know what they do I haven't actually talked to anybody at the company haven't downloaded any of their content but I actually know what they do and right. so there's th- that sort of mentality of like we can't sort of be bottom of the funnel focused entirely it it you know it accelerates those conversations by having those more awareness metrics and act- sorry, activities sort of out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, there's really like a value to both. It's almost like having an imbalance maybe totally. like, rather than like being so gung hung about brand and you forget your metrics that you need and, or you do, go so direct that you just, you're like selling laptops at Best Buy or something. Right. You know, or you just refuse
1: do you to do those activities that like, if it's not driving leads and we're not doing it, it's like, that's not the right mentality.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um it just both it's almost like keep them in balance, keep a, an eye on both of them, mind them both. Um I it's almost like how you know when you look at doing PPC and organic, you know, and SEO, yeah. You often hear if you do PPC, you get a lift in your organic. I don't think it's Google just giving you a benefit. I think it's just that like all the ships rise because they've already yeah. seen your name and they click on your name. And so they're Exactly. Really gonna, And so it's just, it makes sense to do things here and then things here and then it all kind of comes together. Like a display. It would normally drive a bunch of people in, but maybe if they've, it's part of a bigger campaign, it might be that, that thing that really drops the hammer.
1: Right. Right. I think, you know, an example would be if you're running display ads and then you're on, you know, uh, you're doing a, a digital conference or something, or if you're, you know, putting out a, launching your own podcast or something, I think like you might, I mean, you might be more inclined to subscribe to a podcast and I've heard of the company over and over again and I understand, oh yeah, this is what they do and that's the right space that I want to sort of learn more about. And I just think it just adds that level of credit. The, oh, I've heard of them is like a credibility you know, metric that yeah. is tough to track, but I think it's it's very undervalued right now.
0: Yeah, to- totally get that. I mean, that's, that's, that's the case. Um, yeah, yeah, crazy. Where does this all go? If you were to like, Look at your crystal ball.
1: No, it's interesting. I think, you know, we talked about ABM a little bit. I think that companies of all sizes are going to sort of hone in on that a lot more. Um, Mm -hmm. and a lot of companies are sort of creating those resources that are, um, applicable to sort of a, a, a smaller pool of, of prospects. I definitely think that brand is, I think the brand accelerating demand is something that people are going to sort of reconcile and understand that, you know, we have to do the things that, um, that just generate more awareness and aren't inherently lead generating activities because there's something in, in that familiarity of knowing what a company is before you're in a need state, before you have to, you know, have this challenge that, um, that they might be able to solve. And so I think that we'll see more uh, CMOs, more B2B marketers sort of wrapping their head around doing things that are um, just sort of awareness driven um, right. and, and, and not sort of being, like I said, not being um, tied to this, this lead forecast and really valuing quality over quantity.
0: Yeah, you, I think the, the more it goes in that direction, like the better it's going to be for everyone. We're we're all going to experience a much better marketing.
1: Yeah, I think you know? it just, it respects your audience's time right now. I think, you know, think about the way, like I'm a B2B marketer and when I am consuming content, it's because I have a very specific need. If I have a very specific challenge that only a piece of software can help with, then right. I'm more inclined to go direct. And so I don't know, I just sort of like put, you know, I've marketed to B2B marketers a large part of my career. And, um, Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that there's something to be said for just thinking about how you consume content and how you work with vendors and service providers on your own. And like, what's that, that perfect scenario? Um, It's, I don't know that I've ever responded to a LinkedIn message of someone trying to sell me. A video asset, or a piece of software, or a lead scoring app, or something, i don't right. know, whatever exists. Like, I don't know that I've responded to any of them because I'm not in that need. I'm not mm-hmm. in that need state, and so when I'm ready, then I'll go looking for it.
0: Right, right, and not not until then. And please don't call me.
1: <laughs> right, right. Like I'm not going to respond.
0: I I heard the other day the idea of um, it was Alex um, uh, Goldfein, and he was saying that people aren't calling as much because they're zooming more. Have you gotten? A lot of sales calls lately or have you, is everyone on Zoom these days? So
1: I've worked from home for about 10 years. I don't know that I've ever gotten calls. I might've got, I I also use a fake phone number in forms. Like I don't, I don't want calls. I don't even, I I don't even talk to people on the phone that I know in real life. Really? So no, if you call my phone right now, my voicemail will pick up and it will say, thank you so much for calling. Please do me a favor. Hang up and text me at the number you just dialed. I tell people to text me. I don't want to.
0: Do you, yeah. Now, do you do not like calling in general?
1: I just, it's, it's, it's very different from how we grew up, right? When we grew up, people Ooh. just call just to sort of shoot the shit and, and totally. you didn't need a reason. Nowadays, it's like you need a reason. And, uh, um, and I'm, not, I'm not saying like I'm not open to chit-chatting, but it's just sort of like nowadays we, we – live our lives in a certain way. We're like, I know what I'm doing now. I know what I'm doing then and so on and so forth. And, and text messaging, you're much more likely to just get me quickly. And if that, you know, that sort of thing is um, and even if it's like, Hey, it's so, and so we get a chat, call me. That's yeah. fine. Um, but from a sales perspective, I'm not going to answer my phone. I, I don't pick up my phone 99% of the time. Actually I did this test last year where I picked up every phone call that came my way for yeah. two weeks. Whether or not it was a like a known number, or unknown number, and I regretted it. It was like, "This is awful." Like, I, I,
0: there, it was all is all crap.
1: It's just spam calls or whatever, just sort of like telemarketers and yeah. and not necessarily for B two B. It could be you know people trying to sell me stuff for the house or well, I don't know sure. stuff like that. But it's just like I I never want to invite this into my phone. <laughs>
0: whenever whenever I get a uh, a number I don't know, but it says it's from New Hampshire, I'm like, right. Because there's someone in New Hampshire I don't already have on my right. phone. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm not picking up this call.
1: No, absolutely. From Bedford
0: not. or it's from sure. like, you know, Portsmouth. I'm like, yeah, okay, it's from Portsmouth. Sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If they, if they really need me, they can call me back. I will pay attention if it's like the same number that's called four times, yeah. but leave a voicemail or text me if, if you want me to like pick up your unknown phone call.
0: So, so yes, you, from
1: a B2B perspective, I don't, I typically right. don't get phone calls.
0: So, do you not chit chat anymore with friends? When do you do that, if ever? Or has life just moved beyond that?
1: I don't, so I'm definitely, you know, sort of in the life space that I'm in right now. Sure. It's definitely more like, hey, let's get together. Let's go and do this thing. We'll get coffee, we'll get dinner, whatever. Definitely pre-pandemic. Now it's like, all right, let's do a Zoom chat. Right. Um, that be out. Yeah. And, you know, those sort of like waned, but I'm actually sort of getting back into them because I think like now where we're all, you know, you sort of feel out like, all right, who's comfortable with getting in in person and who's, who would rather not. And I have friends that are, you know, I'm up in New Hampshire. I have friends that are in Boston. I have friends in Miami, like friends in New York, like I can't see them all the time. So it's still nice to sort of um, not wait for those in-person moments to, to reconnect. So I'm, I'm sort of back on the zoom happy hour train. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it's just sort of like you definitely got tired of it by like May and then but now I'm sort of getting back into it again. So, that's my that's my, exactly that's my version of chit-chat now.
0: That's exactly what happened. I cuz I remember the first couple months I was terribly unhappy because I need totally. to be out there flapping my little butterfly wings, right? Yeah. So like I'm grounded. So it's like uh oh. and so the happy hour is more of like one of I don't know convalescence or just like right. trying to like feed my inner wound of not being able to go out but yeah. I actually got over it adjusted and I'm kind of cool with it but I think it makes sense to kind of revisit it and more of just like okay this is what we're doing so let's
1: yeah I mean something. we're you know this is going to be a long-term thing and, sure. and again like I said there are some people that are comfortable with being in person that's great so right. you get that sort of in-person engagement and like chit chat and just social connection with people um but some people aren't and that's totally fine you know everyone's gonna emerge from this at their own pace I agree. so yeah. i just think like and again it's so funny like we have i've had more zoom chats with um friends in you know florida or new york than i did pre-pandemic and it's like why weren't we always doing this
0: right right so, yeah. and we got to say new hampshire we're one of like the most healthy covid states ever
1: thank god yep
0: do you think it's yep. that high you know you know about like the high drinking per capita in new Hampshire. Yeah, we're like we're like number one. We're like absolutely number one. I think maybe Massachusetts helps us with that. Sure. But um. But yeah. Hey, we're number one. So maybe that's what's right. Covid at bay. You know, is that we drink right. more per capita up here? Right.
1: We have that like some sort of internal medicine. <laughs> right.
0: No, it's it's all the alcohol. <laughs> just exactly. alcohol I just exactly exactly. I don't know.
1: Um. No. Hey,
0: who are you? Like I, I've known you for a long time, but who are you really? And and um actually and so take us back in time like little sandra days what was it like growing up did you always know you want to be a marketer what was it like did you grow up in new hampshire where'd you grow up
1: yeah i grew up in new hampshire um i'm in bedford now and i grew up in manchester okay and uh did some sort of combination of catholic school and public school so no adam um,
0: sandler with high school
1: no i went to west which was his like rival high school or something he was central central got it i think i think i I think yeah all those school districts are like changing now. But, um, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, truthfully, truthfully, I didn't really know what I wanted to do until I think I saw, like, I don't know, high school age. I saw there was like a some sort of MTV, used to do True Life MTV, like they started the reality show sort of content, like the real
0: world or something. Yeah, right? stuff
1: like that. And someone was doing public relations. Now, this person was doing PR in New York, big time, ooh. rubbing elbows with editors and all that sort of thing. And I was like, ooh, that looks fun and social. And I was definitely more of an extrovert as a, as a younger kid than I am now, but um, that looked fun. So I pursued a career in public relations. And after I graduated, it, I went into um, tech, like high tech PR. That's
0: okay. Okay. Like little-
1: in Andover, Massachusetts, not New York. Right. And so I was like, well, this wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be like.
0: <laughs> so, exactly what you um, signed
1: up for. Yeah. I think, you know, when I was little, I, I was super outgoing and I wanted to be on theater, like, or on Broadway in theater. Yeah. And I wanted to sort of do things that were more outgoing and social. And now I've sort of carved my way into this, like, tech and e commerce marketing, digital marketing thing. And it sort of allows me the ex, that sort of extroverted part of myself, but then working from home and doing things behind the scenes as a digital marketer is, um, you know, helps satisfy the, the sort of behind the scenes introvert that also kind of lags in there too
0: seriously now now you did pr for a little bit though right
1: yeah yeah i started with pr and this was like before social media um we we could email reporters but a lot of us were still getting on the phones to pitch reporters and i just never found my stride i i always felt whenever i picked the phone i was bothering a reporter i always felt like i was like an unwanted phone call and that just wasn't cool um and i just never really it never really worked and then there was um this this client that we had that we would do their email marketing and huh. I had the opportunity to be on the account and it was like, I don't I don't have to get on the phone and like bother someone to, to cover my client. I can actually just code their email and taught myself HTML. And it was like, oh, this is different, that's cool. And I'm not getting yelled at by an editor at the Wall Street Journal for interrupting their, their day and their design. Right. and, um, all right, let's try this instead. So I sort of started to understand, you know, the other thing that from a PR perspective, one of our clients was, do you remember the Search Engine Strategies conference series?
0: I, I uh, Maybe search engine the, strategies,
1: SES? SES, 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 yeah. they SES New York, SES Chicago. Yeah. Um, and so we did the PR, we manned the press room for SES. Wow. And when I wasn't in the press room, I would go like sneak into these sessions and I would 100%. learn about paid search and SEO. Wow. And so that got the wheels turning of like, oh, if I'm getting my clients press and they link back to my client's website, that's that's link building. And that's interesting. So all these things started to connect in like my little 22 year old brain of like, oh, there's so much more out here. There's like a big scope of digital marketing that PR plays a part, but it's not the only part I want to be part of. It's I I want to get my hands in this whole web of things. Um, So yeah. So then like, you know, roles that I pursued after that were, were inherently more broad and generalist um, style. So it was, it was a great foundation. And yeah. I think it gives me, you know, a lens of like brand identity, thought leadership, like all that stuff I learned in PR and, and understanding and, you know, making sure that our outward looking brand is, mm-hmm. is very consistent across the board. I think that those lessons learned were critical, um, but I'm, I'm much happier in a more diverse role.
0: Totally, you know, I did a little like I I did com too, just, and I did a PR internship at at Swartz. I don't know if you remember that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think they, were they in Woburn? Probably in Boston. Now, Waltham, but, I think. Waltham, that's right.
0: And it was like this big PR office, and I, was pan that way for you too? Were they uh-huh. pretty big?
1: Ah, uh, well, so we were in Andover. We were probably like before the recession, probably around seventy people, maybe. Okay, they're much bigger now. They've gone through a crazy acquisition oh, sure. spree, and they're global now.
0: But like it these big PR, you know it's almost like mad men and you're just like wow and it was an internship it, was, it wasn't even paid like it, i would just like it was a great company they own the yeah. s key on the keyboard it just seems so cool right i'm like wow you own a whole letter right it's amazing but awesome. the challenge with with that for me and I, I didn't get as far as like calling up those kind of editors but it was almost like in terms of the excitement there was like a cool reporter for some cool Thing you know, yeah. and then there was some cool CEO for some cool thing, and then you were like introducing them and like stepping out of it. So like, mm. you, you were facilitating, but I was like, I'd rather be either one of the other two. Like, really? <laughs> I'll, I'll be the cool reporter or like I'll be that person doing the crazy things. But, yeah. Like, I I want to be like in there and kind of being a part of the conversation, not just sort of like facilitating,
1: making the intros. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah, PR wasn't wasn't my deal either, but it was a it was an interesting background. And I wonder what they even do these days, you know, like press is so different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I've been the last couple of roles I've had, I've been in a position to hire a PR firm or a PR resource. And so, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny coming from my lens. It's like, I know the tricks I know about billability. <laughs> yeah. I know about how your junior person's less expensive than your, than your VP and just sort of like all those types of things. And, you know, there's definitely a lot, a lot more resources and firms out there now that sort of you know, have gotten away from that model and are a lot more transparent about what they do. But at the end of the day, you know, when I hire a PR resource, it's because I'm, I have a gap in skills and that gap is media coverage. Mm. It's not like if I, you know, a social media, a lot of them are very, um, they have, they're sort of multifaceted. They do social media. They do thought leadership, content creation. They, they place bylines, they do events and all, all that sort of thing. And those, those resources are great. I've always sort of cherry picked the, the skill set right. that I need to sort of fill the gap on. And, and for PR resources, it's always like, I need media coverage. I don't have relationships with reporters. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. That's the thing that I need you to do. But a lot right. of them are, I mean, like I said, they, they'll do social and content and events and all that fun stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. They're, they're, I think a lot of it ties into a lot more of the content creation, like podcasts and whatnot these days too.
1: Yeah yeah and i mean yeah there's and there's a plenty of um plenty of like industry publications that are Mm. you know their masthead has been reduced over the last few years they don't necessarily have the content resources so they'll look to vendors and thought leaders to create articles and videos and all that sort of thing so
0: right right huh well i have a hypothetical for you okay i may or may not have a time machine down here in Nashua. it's probably in my backyard covered with a Is it a gray tarp? Gray tarp. So it's in the back. (laughs) Squirrels are kind of running it. So after COVID, we clean it off, right? And um, get the squirrels out of the way. You can use the time machine. But it goes back to a particular time. It goes back to like a couple days after your graduation when you got your degree. Yep. Sort of starting things out. If you could go back, and it's yourself, you get to meet back in time. So you can go back in time and meet Sandra from those days, what kind of advice would you give her? What kind of things would you tell her?
1: I would definitely tell her to trust her gut.
0: Mm. So
1: I think there's a lot um, that happens in PR and digital marketing that is generated through common sense, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of, you know, when you know how to read people and you know how to read scenarios and situations, you can get yeah. really far in understanding. When, you, when you're able to sort of connect the dots, um, that, that will open up so many opportunities to be one step ahead of things. Um, and I think, you know, if things don't feel right, they're probably not. And don't be afraid to speak up. This is something that I'm trying to teach my kids right now is like, it took me until I was in my thirties, early thirties to feel comfortable asking dumb questions, you know? And I think I'd rather right. sit there, young in a young Sander in a conference room at the age of 25 would rather sit there in silence than try to clarify something or try to ask a question to, to get more information. And that was just the wrong way to go. You know, trust your gut. And when you don't know something, don't wait to ask, get clarification. Um, And I only really felt comfortable doing that in the last like 10 years or so. So that's definitely two things that I wish I did more of earlier in my career.
0: Yeah. There's something about just asking questions. It's like early on, we think that when we're asking questions, we're the one that doesn't know.
1: Yeah, exactly. We're afraid of looking stupid.
0: But it, it takes us like decades to realize that actually...
1: Right.
0: Nobody else knows either. No,
1: no, we're all figuring it out no at the same time. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In class or at work, no one actually knows. So you're actually the hero for asking the question.
1: Exactly. I actually yeah. I can think of my senior year math class. I don't know why. You know there's weird things that like stick out. Totally. This is one of them. There was one girl that always asked all the questions, and I remember sitting there being like, Oh thank God she's in my class. She's getting all the like She's asking all the questions that she I'm just scared to ask. Yeah. And, and I was like, thank God she's asking these questions. And I just, I wish I was that person more. Right. Um, and you know, I'm happy to be that person now for, for someone, but yeah, it took a while to get there.
0: Yeah. It takes some time. so you, so you would tell, you would tell yourself about that, You'd be like go with your gut and ask those questions. Now, would, 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 um, younger you have listened to you?
1: <laughs> Probably not. Get
0: the shaker a little bit. Come on.
1: Maybe. I think i'd probably be too self-conscious about the question thing but i think you know i'm I finally in a place where i feel really comfortable with myself yeah. and just what i know and what i've learned through my career there's you know there's imposter syndrome like
0: totally. i don't
1: think that ever goes away and i think you just have to lean into it and be like listen sorry if i sound stupid for asking this question but i just need clarification and just make, the worst case scenario is that you just confirm what you already knew
0: right
1: and best case scenario is you get a whole new piece of information that helps you do your job better um, so I just don't think, I don't, it's not that I wouldn't have listened. I just wouldn't have been ready to
0: do it. I think. Right. Right. And whether people think you're stupid or the teacher's pet or whatever, doesn't have as much staying power as you think it does. Like right. they may not even work here tomorrow.
1: Exactly. And that person it may not even matter. be
0: in your class or who cares. Right. And little do you know, the
1: five other people in this conference room of 30 also had that same question.
0: Right. <laughs> So. And if they did it, fine. Okay, now you know yeah. there's something that apparently everyone knows about and you don't. So probably Great. something to learn. Now i Now up to speed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally, man. Yeah. Ah, craziness, craziness. So, um, yeah. what are you doing these days? For you, picked up any COVID hobbies? Oh, the kids finally back to school. I have the kids finally
1: back to school. Yeah, my hobby was parenting extra hours during the yeah. week when they were typically at the camp tense. or at school. Yeah, you know, I actually, um, I earlier in the summer, sort of, I needed to do a bit of a social media detox. <clears throat> so I'm just reading more, more than I did before. I truth, very, you know, full disclosure, wasn't a big read. I just didn't make the time to read. Um, and so I'm definitely picking up more books these days, which nice. is nice. Um, what kind? yeah, I think um, right now I'm reading, I'm also like a multitasking reader. I'm reading like three books at a time right now. I'm definitely. reading Building a Story Brand, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, and I just finished. Oh, what's it called? The I forget what it's called. Like like
0: like, like the secrets.
1: It. The secrets of like not giving a fuck, or like how how oh, to yeah, like. yeah yeah yeah. What is that called? What is that book? It was big a couple of years ago, and it was I had it on my you know book stand for or my nightstand for for like years, and I just finally was like, all right, I have been this. That's I've had the this book. Here That's what it's called. Yeah, it's like the...
0: There's literally a book called that. I mean, is it a different yeah.
1: one? Yeah, it's like... Oh, I'm going to have to Google now.
0: Secrets of Not Giving a Fuck. Humor's Guide to Stop.
1: No, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Oh, That's the subtle what it's from Mark Manson. It's probably very similar content, but... Um, yeah, so it's, you know, that one I just finished, but um, now I'm going to double down on... Emotional Intelligence 2.0 is a very easy read. I like that. Sure. Um, uh, and then Story Brand is obviously just honing that marketing skill a little bit more, more. Yeah, yeah for
0: sure yep. Yep. anything you recommend by the way these are all nonfiction marketing books you're not you're not, not pulling in fiction, fiction or anything like that
1: I've tried I've done like um there's a uh, an author named Sloan Crosley hmm. and she does like short stories I'm definitely more of a short story person I just don't have the like I don't know I I, I don't get hooked easily and so a story a short story is like a, a good pace for me um right. Uh, so yeah, that's more my thing. Definitely, nonfiction is more my genre. It's sure. I'm all about the like fiction. I just, I guess, I don't know. I don't I, like if I'm going to just immerse myself in fiction, I'd rather watch it on TV or sure. in a movie theater. Like it's a little less commitment <laughs> that way. Like, um, yeah. And then I'm, you know, I'm big into sort of the um, just learning, just a sponge for learning oh, more information. Totally. So nonfiction has just always been like a thing that I turn to just to get a little bit of an edge on, on additional thoughts and content. So.
0: Yeah, totally. It's, it's cool to just keep learning and keep adding things. I've heard someone yeah. say, times now that like progress is happiness, happiness is progress. You know?
1: Totally. Yeah. It's so yeah. funny, I was thinking about this. So I have a friend that runs um like a, a fitness and wellness group and oh, nice. she's talking about goal setting. And I'm not some like I'm not a New Year's resolution person. Sure. I'm not a I'm not a goal setter necessarily progress to me is fun. Learning is fun. That is the yeah. goal is like continuing to hone my knowledge in certain areas. And I think like that makes me incredibly happy. I'm not one of these like like set a goal, put your three, six, nine month plan against it and what you're going to yeah. do every day to get there. And it's like, no, if I momentum is great, I think like, you know, and progress yeah. is perfection. That's a great, a great quote. And I totally, I love it.
0: I, I'm I with that. you on not mapping out every single detail of how I get there. Um, I have found though, that like end of the year, I have this like Google doc. We'll just put down, first of all, like try to evaluate, like, how am I doing? How's like, fitness how's family yeah. how's job Finances? all these things like anything lacking anything I should focus on this year and then what are some crazy goals and um done this like a couple years now Again, not very good at it and but but like this year I was supposed to do Mount Kilimanjaro um but then it got pushed to next yeah. year but what was interesting is I looked back and I had like maybe three years worth it didn't come out of nowhere. I like had yeah. literally years ago, I'd been like, you know what? Crazy idea. But like, I want to climb of kill jar. But like right. I kept putting it. And then it was like, this year's going to happen. I'm gonna do like, it. Wow. It's so crazy. If you just keep putting these things down. Mm-hmm. I mean, some don't, some don't. Like I was like, I want to learn to juggle. And my brain was like, you can juggle too. And that's about right. Um, <laughs> right. You know, just but you like know just plant some seeds and
1: see what yeah, happens. Just putting yeah. it out
0: there and being like, yeah. you know what? That direction. Let's see what yeah. happens. And then you're right. You have to, you have to get pleasure out of the progress. Otherwise you're gonna yeah. Be miserable. Yeah.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. I'm definitely, you know, I'm not saying that like goal setting is not the right way to do things. It's sure. just not, you know, I'm not necessarily motivated by like always looking to the next thing. I like the process. And so, right. um, that's sort of, I've done, you know, actually I was doing a little bit of goal setting activity around like March, April, okay. and mostly it was like to not Dig myself into a hole, like mentally, when right. COVID hit. So it was right. sort of like, okay, I'm going to reduce my social media usage. I'm going to go to bed at ten o'clock every night. I'm going to like just stuff like that was just helpful for like keeping a good mental capacity for through those first few like unknown months. But
0: right, yeah, it can be really helpful not, to be intentional about that, right? Because yeah. otherwise you end up doing all sorts of weird things to. To cover for yourself and
1: <laughs> yeah, and then your own sort of self care and health stuff.
0: Right. You know. it's right. just Yeah. I bounce back after that. Yeah. Um, I think for me, sometimes it's the challenges. Yeah. Some, like that kind of ties into. So I like the progress, but I also like setting some kind of kind of scary goal. Like I don't yeah, know if I can do that. Can I do it? Yeah. Like I'm. I set a goal. It was like two months ago of like push ups. Someone was like, "Try that push up challenge. Join me in that." I was like, okay. "Yeah." So it was like a thousand push ups in a month from from none you know and yeah. so i was like okay this is hard but i had like there's like an app for it you do it yeah i, I had this awesome. app called um push up hero like of cool. course push up hero and i'm right and then last year um, last month i tried to make it two thousand. because i'm like oh, let's just increment this yeah but I, I found out quickly if you don't stay with it it's, it's like school. You can't learn calculus the night of the final, right? You can't catch up. <laughs> There's only so many yeah. pushups in a day. Yeah. So I was like, I didn't, I didn't do it last, um, last month. But this month, I've got a birthday coming up, which is making me feel really old. So I was like-
1: Is it a milestone? Birthday, what's that? Is it a milestone birthday? Yes. <gasps> That's awesome.
0: Yeah. And so it's, I'm like, oh no. So I'm going to do 4,000 pushups in like honor of like the big Huge. four zero. Yep so push-ups that's actually a lot of push-ups and yeah. first thing day my body's like mad at me it's still mad at me my stomach's mad at me everything's mad but yeah so far so good but i, nice. I know that i can't like drop off because then to make up for like a mistake right. there's so many yeah. like 137 a day or some goofy number like that so yeah. yeah. we're well, so just gotta break them up either. in
1: like increments of 10 or 20 like different parts of the day yeah you get exactly. have
0: to right because yeah. again you can't leave it at lessons i'm teaching myself here i can't leave it till the end of the month or the end of the day like it's oh it's my right. time. Time to go to bed
1: 137 percent
0: before i have to yeah. go to bed <laughs> yeah yeah
1: you that's know, a good thing. point like breaking down those goals into smaller pieces i mean it definitely it it at least creates that action plan that yes. gets you going um which a lot of people just start at the goal and then they're like oh it's hard right. i don't want you know it's it's hard to yeah. start somewhere yeah
0: yeah. And like literally after this podcast, I'm probably going to need to do something because nice. <laughs> I need to, I'm looking at the You're clock. I'm like, uh-oh, I'm going to right. bed in a little bit. Like, <laughs> so, You're making me
1: realize how much water I haven't drank today. Like typically by the uh, end of the day, I've finished like one of these and I don't still got a lot left in there.
0: I know. The water thing is just a constant. I mean, there's apps for it. Have you ever done, have you done, done like a water app? There's no, one where something every time you drink a me. glass of water, it feeds a plant and you can pick what plant. Oh. It's so cute. That's but, cute. <laughs> um, but the amount of water this plant wants you to drink is a little much. Like yeah. they should have a custom amount so you can like, Oh yeah. okay, well I can keep the cactus going with six and then I can, have, <laughs> if I really want to go with eight, I can get the, you know, this thing growing. But no, yeah. it's like my plant was dying day three. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like just calling out to me for help. Oh, God, I, can't like, I, can't, I can't fix you plant. And
1: then you feel guilty. It's like the Tamagotchi all over again.
0: And my kids have one. Do, you, do your kids have them? They no, not yet. It? How no. old are they?
1: Seven and five.
0: Okay, I'm seven and
1: nine. Oh, all right. Yeah. I have to look into it. They have this like, I think it's something else on Facebook Messenger. They have a pet that they have oh. to sort of fix and curate and play with every day. Either yeah. that or they're just telling me these things so that they can get screen time, which is totally viable. Oh my gosh, the screen well. time
0: thing is crazy. Um, but like they, I actually was had their Tamagotchi last night. I don't know what I'm doing, but I figured out how to feed it cake oh my and, gosh and it'll always say yes to cake hamburgers it'll say no once it's full but if you That's eat too funny. much cake then whatever bad things happen Ew. yeah and i like kept feeding it cake and, and so so cake. i was like what are you doing and i was like oh just feeding your child a little cake like just spoiling <gasps> it like I, when i'm a do, right. right. like I'm just yeah. spoiling, spoiling my grandchild here with cake they're like dad like no like, it'll get sick, you know? Oh, well, not too much cake then. Don't bring them over to grandfather's house. Like right. that's awesome. (laughs) So Hey, where can people connect with you? If they want to reach out, just connect.
1: Um, definitely on LinkedIn. So Sandra Rand on LinkedIn. Um, I'm not not on Twitter, just not on Twitter as much as I was.
0: She I'm like definitely, a thing these days.
1: it's, you know, it's, I, I always have the best intentions. Like I want to go on there and sort of get back to where we're, you know, I think you and I like met on Twitter and at tweet ups. And so did, tweet I ups, would yeah. love to like get back into, into sort of engaging with people that way. I just haven't carved out the time to do it. Um, so, you know, I'm on Twitter can't promise at all necessarily follow you back right away, but, uh, you know, definitely hit me up there. Um, yeah, and, uh, thrass.io is the company, is the company, uh, website that we just launched yesterday, just re- relaunched our new branding, which I'm very excited about, That's but yeah, sick. hit me up through, through work and, uh, yeah.
0: Right on. Yeah, LinkedIn sounds like the place to go. Twitter if yeah. you don't want if you don't want a response, hit her up on Twitter. Right. If you do, try <laughs> LinkedIn. Uh, Twitter is definitely just... my
1: like parenting lamenting and complaining. Like LinkedIn is actually more of a, a professional. Like right. we actually right. work together.
0: Yeah, for me, Twitter can be like random photos versus you doing the Instagram too.
1: So Taking a little break from Instagram, Are taking you? a little break from TikTok, taking Part a little of break your from Facebook. Oh,
0: did you do TikTok or were you just No,
1: I well, I lurked.
0: I, I was a lurker. I okay. never
1: created TikTok. I'm almost forty. I don't think that's allowed. Right. Um right. Uh, That was oh. the advice from
0: my friends too. They're like you can look, but you cannot be on it.
1: <laughs> no, no, definitely not. So, uh, yeah, just doing a little, a little detox. I think pandemic, mm-hmm. election, back to school, all sort of
0: totally. got
1: together in a big gray cloud. I was like, I just need to step back a little bit. So,
0: yeah, don't get me is, wrong.
1: Twitter is not a healthy place to be either right now. But oh, Twitter, I'm, I'm only checking in on there once in a while.
0: Toxic land. I've I basically so. made Instagram my like little private hideaway smart like, i only follow like mountain climbers and like fitness people so smart
1: that's what i should do
0: happy people and then like Just unfollow a ton of things yeah <laughs> yeah and, and so on facebook it's like dark and like news stories of horrible things happening nine thousand yeah. miles away and you, all these things instagram is like happy people doing happy things and like i big like tall it mountains. that's a like, good oh. way
1: to do it i like it that's smart totally. i should so, do uh,
0: abandon everything else i probably if i had to give them all up LinkedIn has a star because you have to do LinkedIn. You but got like, to. I would just. It's keep great reach stars. now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Imagine people start using it like TikTok. <laughs> if I
1: see a CEO dancing in my feed, then there's what? If I see a CEO dancing in my feed, like we're jumping the shark here.
0: Yeah, we're, I'm out. <laughs> Calling the we'll choppers.
1: See. Yeah, yeah. But hey, I mean, going back to what we were first starting, like using it in a different way, might just be the thing. <laughs> So maybe, no judgment. <laughs> maybe
0: she heard you on this podcast and was like,
1: right? I can't wait group. to see TikToks on LinkedIn.
0: Right. That'll be great. Especially if Microsoft has both of them, right? If they buy TikTok, yeah. have they bought it yet? Or they were threatening to buy it?
1: They're talking something? about it. I think Walmart is also a potential. I don't know. I got to catch up. Again, like not being on I'd social. Prefer I prefer Walmart
0: to buy it just so Microsoft they doesn't agree. do some goofy thing where they like put it all on our LinkedIn feed as like TikTok feed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and- you know, I don't know. Yeah, you got to think about what the long term game is there. So That's I think true. it could be an interesting buy for Walmart. I think they're not shy to sort of innovate and do new things. So that would be that could be cool. I'd
0: be I'd be happy with Walmart. Like yeah. usually, whatever whatever um, Microsoft gets, they like like they broke Skype. I don't know what happened, yeah. but um, they haven't broken LinkedIn yet. So no,
1: no, LinkedIn but is- the, I, you know, LinkedIn. There's tons of amazing things about LinkedIn, but there's more that you know, they, there's, they could trim the fat. Let's, let's say that. I think that That's there's true. some things that are sort of lingering on LinkedIn that don't need to be there anymore. So yeah.
0: And they keep adding weird things too. So at least they're innovating.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll see.
0: We'll see.
1: I think there's a deadline on that TikTok thing though, right? We should oh, find out. Oh my goodness! Next couple we'll weeks. see what
0: happens. Mm. State of the, the universe is in, in their hands. <laughs> we
1: shall see. Oh
0: man. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on here.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. This is fun.
0: Yeah, right. Just and that's that's the way marketing should be just like yeah, fun just riffing and learning good. and
1: chatting. I love
0: it. Totally, totally. Cool. And for those people listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I've got two pages of notes front and back, then share this with someone. And the best way to do that is on LinkedIn or TikTok. And I don't know how you would do, do that. Do it. See what
1: happens. Or Twitch. Or, Throw it out or there. Twitch. Or <laughs>
0: Twitch. Um, but tag us, tag Andrew, tag myself, and we'll comment in there and join the conversation. That's what thought leadership is—just sharing things you've learned and your takeaways with your friends. That's the way to do it. So yep, awesome. Thank you again, Sandra. This has been the best.
1: Yeah, of course. So great to chat with you.
0: Right on. For those people listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time.